Thank God. Woo! We did it. Yay! We're here. It's happening. I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's been <laughs> Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. And, and it's about motherfucking time. We're back from break. Thank God. Happy summer break, everybody. Fuck summer break. <laughs> Fuck summer break so hard. The only thing I don't like about summer break is the weather i'm done <laughs> i'm done wrap it up bring on the fall just give me a Amen. sweater so i can crawl into bed and cry literally this is what we predicted a couple episodes ago when i'm like this is when i always get tricked into thinking i like summer now ask me how i feel at the end of july and i'm always like i'm fucking done i hate everything well yours is everyone. different now because now you're welcome to the world of having a school-aged child it's the worst it fucks everything up everything's ruined because <laughs> up until now her daycare didn't miss a beat no your life just kept on going. Just kept going. Like now you have sailing. to scramble and figure out where she's going to be and for real, how not to take a second mortgage out on your house to afford it. Absolutely, it's a big slap in the face. I, on the other hand, have older kids, so it's great for me. So then, let's start with you. Hit us with your vacation. So, I just, just in case you guys didn't know, we also haven't seen each other since the last episode. Literally, yeah, it's been almost a month. It's crazy, and. I don't think we've ever gone that long not seeing each other since I moved up here. Since not living in the same city. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great. We just got back. We did a week down in SoCal, mainly in Malibu. Or we Mm. were staying in Calabasas. I was going to say. We were spending our time in Malibu and Santa Monica Pier. In the boo. In the beach. Um, I always have a tendency to talk a little bit of shit about Southern California because, you know, we're NorCal girls till we die. But Malibu, it's nice. I, I get it. Yeah, I fucking get How it. How was the weather? Beautiful. Was the beach cold? No. Nice. The beach was a solid 80 degrees. Oh, wow. Maybe 85 at like three. Dang. You know, like the height of. Yeah. And the water was so I kind of forgot how warm the water is down there. OK. The water was so warm. And you nice. know me, I'm not one for swimming in the ocean. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I can actually go out because it's warm enough mm-hmm. and like feels safe enough it's still yeah. the ocean yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm still not going out where i can't touch the bottom right. i'm not doing that Fuck but that. i definitely go further than i would in like anywhere in northern california sure. where the like the oceans are so treacherous yeah anywho it was beautiful it was great and then we did a whole day in downtown la where we just checked off the boxes we did i took the kids to the broad which is a modern art museum and then we went to a bookstore that was recommended to me by one of my clients called The Last Bookstore. And it's the cool. coolest bookstore on earth. How'd it smell? Um, just like a bookstore. You didn't get that like real good oldie. In the in the up so it's two stories. Downstairs is a normal bookstore, new and used in a vinyl shop, record shop. And then upstairs, one side is actually like artists who rent space there and like sell their wares. There was like this one kind of witchy artist and my kid my 13 year old loved it in there they bought all kinds of little crystals and trinkets and stuff from her and then the other side of the upstairs is they call it the labyrinth and it's like (laughs) these like book art installation pieces it's stuff made with books there's like a book tunnel and like all kinds of things you can take photos of and you literally get lost it's like a maze of bookshelves and it's so fun it's so great i highly recommend it then we did the I actually have to show you these pictures, B. We did the pop, the Funko Pop store. Mm. You know what Funko Pops are? Yes. It is worth 
every ounce of your time if you're in downtown LA to go. Normally, yeah. I don't do Hollywood Boulevard because mm-hmm. it's kind of scummy. For real. Mm-hmm. But it is on Hollywood Boulevard and it is absolutely worth it. They okay. have, it's like a Funko Pop store slash museum and they have these huge, larger than life Funko Pop like displays that you can take pictures in. Mm-hmm. Like, even I'll show you the Pixby. Uh, me and Lou took pictures. They had a whole, they had the Jurassic Park Jeep with a full oh, T-Rex wow. and sexy Jeff Goldblum. Oh, forget it. They had like a huge Game of Thrones with a giant ice dragon you can sit on. I mean, Stranger Things and athletes and every, all the Disney stuff, all cool. the Marvel stuff, Harry Potter, yeah. a whole horror movie section. I have a couple horror ones. That's they have I the huge ones are. you can take pictures That's of. That's incredible. And the horror movie section looks like the outside of a. It looks like you're walking into a spooky cabin, mm-hmm. and you have Jason on one side, oh, Michael on the other it. side. You have Pennywise. You have, I think, um, Homegirl from The Exorcist. I can't remember her name right now. Anyways, yeah. Beetlejuice. So much fun. Literally the most fun. Mm-hmm. And then we did the observatory, went to the planetarium, and that was it for downtown LA. How was the drive? Um, the drive was fine. Uh, started off the vacation with a bang, which was me hysterically crying. Cool. Because I thought I ruined our vacation. Because, and I should know this because you and I have stopped here before. I was looking up a place halfway between, roughly halfway between us yeah. and Calabasas. Right. And Bravo Farms and Kettleman City came up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that was the same place right next to Harris Ranch. And I was like, this is perfect. There's playgrounds and like places to eat and whatever. So then as we're making our way down the five, I Google it to get directions and I Google up, I Google Bravo Farms and Bravo Farms restaurant pops up. I'm like, perfect, because we're going to go get lunch. I didn't even think about it. They took us and like you're going down five and then they cut over an hour on 90. And is it 90 or 99? I don't know the numbers, but anywho, uh, it's the other one that you can take from our town to get down to Southern California. And we got there and it's in like a shopping center and it's like a restaurant. Oh and I'm like, gosh. what is this? Did they like redo this place? Like it's supposed to have this, this and this. Anyways. Yeah. I, I added an hour to our drive time by going For to the wrong place. Center. Yeah. And I was so upset. Yeah, it's part of the adventure. Well, and like Lou said, the time it at, cause we didn't stay there. We yeah, ate and left. We He's like the time we stayed here would have been the time at the other place that the kids would have been playing and running around. For and, real. So I guess I didn't add too much time. I just was very upset with myself. So let this be a lesson to everybody. There's Bravo Farms, which is right next to Harris Ranch on the five. Mm -hmm. And there's Bravo Farms Restaurant by some asshole who stole the fucking name and put it in a shopping center. Annoying. So annoying. And it was not a great restaurant. It was like trendy and like full of like, like, you know. Yeah, no, like no, we're you trendy. To take your kids. I know. Yeah. I would take my kids, but it was just like everything's overpriced, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, do you want a fig jam, arugula, no, blah don't. blah blah, cracked wheat sandwich for twenty bucks? <laughs> no, not really. I was kind of looking for an in and out in a playground, yeah. but whatever. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it was good. We had good food. Drove back up. Stopped in Santa Barbara. My son fell in love with Santa Barbara. Okay. He really wants to go to UC Santa Barbara. Cool. I'm like, great, do that. Yeah. Um, and then we spent the night in Morrow Bay, which my oldest loved because it was cold and foggy because my oldest is not a sunshine person. Mm-hmm. 
And so the cold, foggy, kind of Fort Braggy vibes. And we took them to a record store and to a crystal shop and to antiquing. And they were having the time of their lives. Back up to my mom's house. Spent a couple days there. My husband took my son to an A's game because they're getting ready to move out of Oakland. So my 11-year-old son got a taste of our Bay Area culture because they at first... My pride and joy. The first BART train they got on was a new one. And White's all, ooh, this is nice. Not the one that takes And then to they the have to transfer to MacArthur. Mm-hmm. And it was wild. He said it was about... He's like, I thought it was going to fall apart. Yep. He's like... He's all, there were people just like acting so weird on there. And I'm like all, duct tape. He's together. all, he's all dad. Are, are those guys on crack and lose all probably? He's I like, know. no, it's fentanyl, but you know, it's your business. <laughs> and then, you know, got to the nice, dirty, sticky mm-hmm. A's park that we I all love. It. It's I so good. smell it. I could like taste it. And it was just so funny because he was just, he was so exposed to things. I'm like, welcome to mine and your dad's childhoods. Absolutely. Babe. I I'm all that. me and your dad would be on that BART train at like 12, 13, 14 no years old. Business. Parents didn't even know where we were. Nope. They thought we were somewhere by close uh-huh. by. <laughs> I couldn't track us down. Yeah. And then I took my oldest to their first concert at Stanford, which has a great amphitheater. Um, this cool little singer songwriter out of England. His name is Cave Town. And the whole lineup is very like LGBTQ friendly. They're really like kind of like the little queer kid like champions of the Gen Z Mm -hmm. population. So what was dope about it was it was like a crowd full of my 13 year old, which my 13 year old's the coolest. They're super chill and kind and sweet. And that's everybody was on the same vibe on the same wavelength. For sure. It was so cool. And obviously, if you're a parent taking your kid to an event like that, all the parents are hella cool. No Karens, no weird vibes, no animosity. Mm-hmm. Everyone just chilling yeah. with their pride flags and their crazy colored hairs and their piercings. And, and just having fun like you're supposed to at a concert. Best. Right. The, the way best. It's, the way it should be. The only thing that sucked is I had to be sober. I, I don't remember the last it. time I was a sober at a concert, but Ugh, it's the worst. It is fine. That is my vacation recap. I feel like I've been talking for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn. Well, in case you guys couldn't catch my drift, I fucking hate summer break. (laughs) I got fucked so hard. So the last episode we did, as I recall, I mentioned my husband had just ripped his calf muscle. Calf muscle, that's what it was. I said ankle. And my daughter had eaten shit at summer camp and busted her elbow. Yeah. And that was the day before we were headed to the cabin. Right. Which is all uphill, gravel, slippery rocks, so many stairs, stairs to get to the deck, stairs to get to the bathroom, stairs to get to the bedroom. Right. We got maybe two good days. We definitely got to enjoy Fourth of July. We went to the parade and the lake and she stayed up late enough for the fireworks, so we drove to get nice. a good view. Yeah. We the second she gets out of the car, she throws up. Uh, why? We, well, at this point, we didn't know. We're like, okay, too much sun, not yeah. enough water. Yeah, yeah. She rallies. We make it through the fireworks. We go to get back in the car, and she throws up again. Lovely. And she doesn't stop throwing up for four fucking days. Oh, my God. I'm talking. Is it food poisoning? Fetal position on the bathroom floor. Could not leave the bathroom. Could not keep anything in her body. She must have just gotten the stomach flu. 
for f- like four fucking days. That's I know. our whole time at the cabin. I know. That's why I'm so tan because all Nick and I could do was sit on the deck. Yeah. And just listen to everyone in the water, yeah. like having the time of their lives as she's dying in the bathroom. Oh. So then we leave thing. her. Fortunately, I mean we're gonna silver lining linings here. The day that we had to swap with Bob and Mo, your in laws, she's doing great. Great. So it's like, all right, we got to leave her with grandma and grandpa for a week now, but mm-hmm. she's going to have the time of her life, right? Yeah. She still gets a week at the cabin to enjoy herself. Right. We have to go back. Yeah. But at this point, take me back. For real. <laughs> I want to go home. So Nick and I are like, oh, cool. We still have Sunday to ourselves before work. Like we're looking forward to like a Sunday fun day. We want to go to brunch, maybe go get Manny Petties. We get home and with ours. Nick's down. He's got it. Of course. So that again, we're talking three to four days of just nonstop clinging to the toilet. Yeah, it's for sure like the stomach flu then if it's contagious. And I got it on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and we left for Great America on Friday. Yay. <laughs> so we're all in like in the car. Violet's finally feeling like amazing. Nick and I are clinging on for life. Yeah. Like dehydrated, whatever. We get to the hotel, Embassy Suites. What am I looking forward to? Happy hour. And the pool. And the pool. Right? So we get checked in and I'm like, dude, I haven't had like anything solid in days. I'm like, I just want like a cold glass of wine. I want to take Violet to the pool. I just want to chill the fuck out. Right? Yeah. I've been in the car for hours. I go to the bar. Of all the people in the world, this woman hated me. <gasps> Why? Fucking hated me what's to hate i honest like i'll admit it if i'm a dick i don't know you literally have never been a dick i've ever i've never seen you be that way and even if i am a dick am i gonna be a dick to my bartender no but i've never seen you be mean to anybody she hated me (laughs) like so i asked her i'm like can i get a wine in a plastic cup like I have Violet with me she's got her fucking water wings on it's obvious we're going to the pool yeah she's like I don't have plastic um, which also that sounds like bullshit it because is bullshit. I've been served in plastic cups at the embassy uh, maybe she was out but I'm just saying Reg- you can go get a plastic cup there's somewhere care. there's a whole breakfast buffet you're telling me you don't have plastic cups and this is a weird fucking embassy too because like the pool is down at the end of this hall behind like a closed door you can't see into it it's not like a glass right like pool where normally I- they have like a big window yeah, that you can see for sure so I get to the door and it's like no glass. And I'm like, well, I'm already here. I look inside. No one's there. There's a table. I go and I sit down. I'm not walking around with this wine glass. I'm not in the fucking pool with this wine glass. I am sitting, watching my daughter swim. Yeah. Maintenance guy comes in. We're having a ball. We're talking. We're talking shit about how dangerous the pool is. Right. Because it had just been refinished and the floor is super slippery. Right. The bartender came in and took the wine glass out of my hand. How did she know you were there? Because Violet was obviously oh going to the pool, and I asked for the the plastic cup. Why follow up? Took it out of my hand. It had like a sip left. Can I'm like, can I at least finish it? And she like mumbles something and walks away. And the maintenance guy looks at me and he's like, "Did that just fucking happen?" <laughs> at least he's on your side. I'm like, bro, you tell me. He's like, I don't like the way that went down. I'm like, I don't like. The that went down Mm -hmm. so he goes to try to get me a new glass of wine he's like i'll get you a plastic cup like it's no big deal she poured the sip into the plastic cup 
wouldn't even give me a new glass of wine. Why? Because she hated me. Where's Nick? Upstairs. He's like enjoying the room to himself, thinking I'm having a ball with Violet. Yeah. So I would have totally, I would have sicked Nick on her. No. So I go upstairs with Violet. Because you know Nick's not going to stand for it. <laughs> and I asked, I didn't want to make a scene. I, I just asked him, I'm like, will you go downstairs and get me a glass of wine? He's like, you were just down there. He's like, why wouldn't you get your own? Like, you just, you have to walk by the bar to get to the fucking elevator. And I'm like, I'm just curious to see your experience at the bar. And he looks at me, he's like what are you not telling me? And I'm like, so, and then I tell him and he's like, Oh, it's fucking on. Yeah. He's like, let's do this. So yeah, the whole experience of the hotel, even to this day, we're fighting with them. They finally agreed to comp us like half the room price or whatever, but then went ahead and charged us 700 additional dollars. Yeah. For what? Because they fucked up. And what's the comp for? Just their, your bad experience? Well, so Nick went to the front desk and they're like, oh, you know, we'll take care of it. Because I'm talking like the way she hated me. I was uncomfortable even walking through the lobby by right. myself. That's what I meant when you're like, oh, if I'm addicted, I'm like, you're you're the most unconfrontational person I know. You are not mean to people. And so and they didn't follow up at all. They sent a text at like seven o'clock in the morning the next day. How are you enjoying your stay? <laughs> Nick fucking lost it. it how much time do you have? <laughs> I'm about to write you a paragraph. All right. So that's we finally get there. I wake up the next morning. I'm that she put a hex on me. That's the day my eyeball exploded. God damn it. That's the day I couldn't open my eye. She for sure put a hex on you. So that's the or day. Or it's their dirty fucking linens. I thought so. I thought that I probably got like a bed bug bite on my eyeball. or something. That That's what I was thinking at this point. Because again, it was just swollen. Well, name them. It's Embassy Suites in what town? Santa Clara. Santa Clara NBC Suites, watch out. So we go to Great America. Awesome. We have a great time. But again, I have a swollen eyeball and it's like we're trying to apply sunscreen. Nick and I can't really like eat or drink or anything, which thank God, because the fucking beers, $22. It's an amusement park, babe. But you could get a souvenir cup for all you can drink oh, soda yes. for $18. Yes, I know. That's a steal. I have that researched, was the best deal on the planet. I have researched this because I have, have some thirsty kids and husband. And I'm like, that That's alone? My kids will run through those cups. And it, they had stuff like Powerade. Mm-hmm. So Nick and I were like, oh, fuck, yeah. This is just what we needed to keep us going. So we did it. We Violet was just tall enough to do like, all the kids stuff Yay. and even some big kids like adult stuff nice like the real swings we almost got her on like a real roller coaster but the guy was like she's at the line and i don't want her to die and yeah. i'm like i respect fair. that fair thank you <laughs> but like she never got disappointed uh the lines weren't too bad okay so then forward to the next day we wake up we go to the water park yeah which they now have so the swollen eyeball gets splashed with chlorine and people's pee. Yeah. <laughs> so we do that for hours. Sali- think of all the saliva. Oh, for sure. Just right in my fucking swollen face. And we're walking back into the hotel and sh- the bartender's there. And she walks past me and sh- the look 
the fucking daggers what again she deal? doesn't see nick nick's feet behind me because he's like carrying all the stuff so he's like waddling <laughs> behind on his bad leg trying yeah. to keep up with me and he locks eyes with her and she fucking straightens up real quick and like scuttles away and he's like what the fuck he's like i told you dude <laughs> so again she put the hex on me uh, and then I get home and I go to the doctor and at that point he's like, you just got to write out the eyeball. He's like, yeah, it, it sucks. But well, it sounds like what you were describing, what you're describing, how it looked then. It looks a lot better now. Yeah, it's not swollen anymore. Now it's just fucking gross. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it'll get better. Yeah. So that that was my break. <laughs> oh, my God. It was full of broken- That's wild. I've never been that disappointed in NBC Suites before. Uh, but. Girl, you know how hard we go for embassy. I love Fuck, an embassy. Yeah. Even my mom was like appalled. She's like, we had great memories. I think what happened is I feel like what is now the Marriott or maybe it's at Hilton because it's right by the Levi Stadium. Mm-hmm. I think that used to be the embassy. Okay. It looks like a nicer hotel. Mm -hmm. And more of like an embassy layout. This is like a fucking convention center that they tweaked into an embassy. Weird. Yeah, because usually embassies, even from the outside, have a certain look. No glass elevators, no koi pond. What What is this place? Were there plants everywhere? No plants. Zero plants. That's the wildest thing I've ever heard. What is the point of this It was the most sterile. What was the breakfast buffet like? That was the same. You okay. still get the full omelet bar and all okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but even like, and I get it with COVID or whatever. I was gonna overlook this, but you know how they used to have like the warm appetizers at mm-hmm. the reception. You're getting like a bag of pub mix. And that like, was true when we, but we went a couple years ago, right after things started mm-hmm. opening up after COVID. So yeah, the happy hour. Um, we went to the one in Sacramento, yeah. right, like downtown Sacramento. Yeah. Happy hour was great. Our bartender was fantastic. As they should be. And obviously we're tipping well. And we're getting, I mean, I was drunk before we left for dinner. I was like, fuck that happy hour did me in Mm y'all. And the, but it was the same thing. It was the, which I was, you know, even with that, with kids, I was even appreciative of like, just like the bag snacks. But that's what I'm saying. Like kids get a lemonade and a bag of Cheetos before we walk to dinner. But again, back in my day. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about Sounds like your guys' breakfast buffet was back to normal. Ours was, everything was very, like, prepackaged because of COVID. Yeah. You could still get your omelet to order, Mm -hmm. but, like, everything else came in, like, all wrapped up in, like, cellophane and plastic It was a full breakfast. You're getting French toast and pancakes and bacon and... How excited was Violet? Oh, she loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. A million muffins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my kids to this day, like... Try explaining to them that embassy is a little outdated because to them, embassy is the height of luxury because it even so what's outdated to us to kids looks like glamorous hotels they see in movies and stuff because they're like all the gold and the burgundy and the plants and the koi fish ponds and they're like what what is this the ritz carlton i know that's what i was hoping for and i did not get i'm so sorry thank you what a bummer i know 
Well, get it together, Santa Clara Embassy Suites. You should go on there and leave them a bad review. Oh, believe Google and Yelp. Check and check. Yeah. Done and done. Because I never leave bad reviews, but that might be the exception. Yeah, because there are so many other hotels. There's a hotel in the same parking lot across the street around and the same you, price. Stay there. Give them the business. And Don't you waste expect your time. a certain experience at the embassy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And it we've did been not. to multiple embassies it and we always give. have the same level of experience. I've been to the one in San Jose. I mm-hmm. think it's like on mission or something. Wonderful. Yeah. Like it's not that far from where we were. Whatever this was, was not it. Um, so what's funny is my kids are definitely used to just like, you know, regular hotels. Yeah. So we stayed at like a nice new hotel in Calabasas. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's freshly built. I think it's only a year or two old. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. And it's like one of those ones where if you want food, you're sitting in their dining room and ordering it off a menu. Wow. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like a, like a little boutique hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Kai, my oldest, was so excited to get. They kept talking about breakfast in the morning. Oh, I can't wait to go get breakfast in the morning. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I don't think we're going to get breakfast here. I'm like, I think we're just going to go to like the grocery store and just get stuff for you guys. And they were like so disappointed. And I finally figured it out. They didn't realize what type of hotel they were at. And I'm like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you think breakfast is? Because I'm like, it's not a continental breakfast. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, well, you know, when we go and you can like make your own waffles and get muffins and fruit and cereal and whatever. I'm like, it's not that. It's like you sit down at a table and order like real breakfast. Like, that's disgusting. I I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. So we're going to Safeway and getting muffins. Right. (laughs) I love it. But it's so funny. They're so used to like the continental breakfast experience. They're like, what do you mean? Where's my... Free muffin and orange juice. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, give my kids, like, a Best Western. And they are thrilled. Well, that was every day after the amusement park. It wasn't like it was a lit down to leave because she was like, cool, so now we get to go swim. Right. It's like, yeah, let's go to the death trap. Every child I've ever been in the presence of, no matter where you take them, Hotel you pool. can take them to goddamn Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, this is cool. When can we go back to the hotel and go swimming? Mm -hmm. Like even that day I said that we spent all day in like downtown L.A. And we were like going, going, going. And I got us on the wait list for like a cool little restaurant, you know, kind of near our hotel. But it was going to be a bit of a wait. And they were like, but if we do that wait and then we have dinner, like we won't have time to go swim because the pool closes. And I'm like, well, you guys have to decide. Do you want to sit down and like have a nice dinner or do you want to go get like fast food and go swimming? Like we want to go get fast food and go swimming. I'm like, okay, even though we're on vacation, I guess we're going to Jack in the Box and going swimming. So that's what they'd rather do. Oh, my God. Violet got her first sizzler. Oh, that was right there. It was within walking distance. How was the salad bar? She fucking loved it. Yeah. She thought it was the coolest. All the soft serve. All of it. Mm -hmm. I love a sizzler. Yeah. Did you have any because you're on vacation? Do you have any cheesy garlic toast? Oh, of course. God, it's so good. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. It was best. I I remember being little and sizzler was like our spot to go. And the salad bar looked endless. Like Mm -hmm. I remember it being like. Almost it's overwhelming so how big yeah. it is. And then as an adult, you're like, oh, it's really right. Not that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the amount of stuff that was on her plate, she was like, what? But there's not enough room. And I'm like, you could come back. And she's like, what? Oh, my God. I love it. Love a sizzler. All right. Anything else going on? Yep. So we were supposed to have been in Santa Cruz, 
right? But then we scratched that plan and did Great America instead. Okay. And apparently it was the move to make because, dun, 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 there's an otter harassing surfers <laughs> and stealing their boards. Yeah. How cute is that? As he should. This fucking otter is like. Stealing or were they just giving it to him because he's so cute? All right. Oh my God. You can have mine. I don't care. So I thought that was adorable. Yeah. Okay. More, more wacky news. All right. So both of us, we had to go through the Bay Area to get back home. Well, apparently we did it just in time because I read Thursday, a naked female driver started shooting at passing cars on the San Francisco Bay Bridge. Lovely. Mm-hmm. They don't have a motive. Uh, it went without incident. They were able to get the lady and hopefully get her help. I mean, obviously, she was having some sort of yeah. breakdown. Mm-hmm. But, Poor you thing. know, just a naked person walking through lanes of traffic on Interstate 80. No big deal. I know. That's <laughs> scary if you're in, if you're stuck in traffic. Oh, for sure. You can't drive away. Yeah. What else we got? Crazy news. Um... Okay, so we don't know that lady's motive, but we know the motive of the souvenir hunters crashing the Beetlejuice 2 movie set in Vermont. Oh, what were they going after? They stole a lamppost top with a distinctive pumpkin and a 150-pound abstract art piece I from mean, the cemetery. Solid takes. Yes! You know solid. how jealous I am? Solid. Oh, my God. Also, I think I have predicted Beetlejuice 2 correctly. Because I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures. I've seen that- nothing. Okay. So somebody got, like, some behind the scene, like, some pa- some paparazzis. Sure. I remember my prediction was that Lydia's kid was going to be, like. A square. Or, like, a goody-goody, girly-girly yeah, yeah. square, whatever. They show um, these back behind-the-scene pictures were of. I it looks like possibly Jenna Ortega's wedding, mm. but it's hard to tell because she has a she has got like one of those you know when actors are on break they put on like a big robe or whatever. Yeah. But underneath the robe is a big frilly white like almost ball gown with like a little bit of pink at the bottom. Okay. And then Winona Ryder is still dressed as Lydia, so I'm like I think I'm nailing it. I think her daughter is going to be the opposite of her. I love it. Yeah. Exciting. I'm also excited because people said that they weren't going to move forward because of the strike. And I'm like, it should already be written. And it's a writer's strike. So, yeah, but they're even the actors and stuff are all going on strike too yeah. to support the writers. Because with mm-hmm. no writers, what's the no point? one has a job. Yeah. No. So, so they, I, it'll go forward. They'll just take a break. Yeah. On a recent past episode, I brought up the legal battle over the trademark for Taco Tuesday. That's right. And I'm proud to announce, dun, 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 Taco Bell has reigned supreme. Supreme. Get it? Yeah, I know you'd course. love that. So they beat out Taco John for the rights over the term. As they should. Right? Fuck, it's Taco Bell, bitch. Uh, also, we've obviously talked about all the alien shit on the podcast. Yeah. I'm obsessed with um, how no one cares. Like, Literally nobody like, cares. And all the memes and shit on the internet. it's so funny people are like it's a million degrees we can't afford gas or groceries like fuck it like Like, are are they gonna help us or not because if not and everyone's like oh aliens exist but But, so do i still have to pay my student loans or am i going to work on monday (laughs) it's so funny because we had this exact conversation totally when they confirmed it i'm like shouldn't i care more like why don't i care why am i not freaking the fuck out yeah because who cares also like you said we haven't seen them yet just let me touch one mm-hmm. all right because we were all deathly ill and kid free i watched a million things mm-hmm. i watched sharp objects 
great. I love Sharp Objects. Uh huh. Which was the same author that did Gone Girl, which was our episode sixty-nine. Yeah, Jillian something. Yes, Jillian Flynn. Flynn. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was surprised a little bit by the ending. I didn't really see it going there, so that was great. A really nice good, big surprise ending. Really good acting. Great acting. Amy, it's Amy Adams, right? Yes. The type of alcoholic that Amy Adams plays, as much as I love booze, the like, because you're thinking summer in the South, the way she drinks warm vodka from a water bottle, I'm like, oh, you're a different level of alcoholic, babe. Right. And then chases it it with the mouthwash, which she also swallows to cover up the smell. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are a different type of alcoholic. Mm -hmm. But I love the vibe of sharp objects Mm -hmm. it's really cool so that set the mood for my next watch which was the outsider which is on a stephen king novel oh okay and they suckered me in with jason bateman yeah but he was only in like the first two episodes yeah they teased you so i made it through the end Mm -hmm. it's really good at first but it's also stephen king so by the end of it you're like fucking a like come on guys yeah you know so it is what it is yeah i enjoyed it for that okay um and then i don't know if i talked about it ever on the podcast you remember me talking about the movie becky Mm. it's kind of like a john wick but it's a girl no like a little girl not little i don't think you've ever talked about it so in the first one she was probably like 12 to 14 and the bad guy surprisingly enough was kevin james he plays Whoa. like a white supremacist. Okay. And he did a great job. Yeah, that's fun. It's super violent. Okay. And her dad, I think, was Joel McHale. Great. I love Joel McHale. Okay. So fast forward to now, there's a new one. Okay. Out, the Wrath of Becky. And this one's got Stifler in it. He's the Whoa. bad guy. Oh, yeah. fun. And again, super violent. Yeah. Awesome. Really good. Okay. So that's that. And this is what's going to get me to the good stuff. Ooh. Back in 2020. Oh, shit. We did episode 23. Yeah. Where you recommended the A&E special, The Killing Season. Which I never finished, by the way. Really? Yeah. Well, I did. I did. (laughs) How was it? It was scary. Yeah. Because the way that it just, it never ends. I know. That's the second they get to one, it just, it, it's. I think that's why I stopped watching it. Cause I got overwhelmed to have a, how, I'm there's like. There's no end. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And it was good. Uh-huh. Because that was the episode where we discussed Lisk, the Long Island serial killer. Also on a side note. Mm-hmm. The couple who does the killing season, you, un- you know, the other thing they did, right? No. They did that documentary that I love that you shit all over. Oh, yeah. You know we talked one? about that on the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the same couple. Yeah. I love his voice. It's so distinct. It's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that don't remember, on episode 23, we covered Netflix original Lost Girls. Yep. Where um, the mom, Marie Gilbert pushes law enforcement agents to search for her missing daughter Shannon and in doing so they end up um covering a shit ton of bodies yeah just so many bodies and a lot of like sex workers so nobody cared to even investigate them going right. missing so what blows my mind is 2020 we're 
we've got this movie, we've got all these facts that we covered in the episode, and then they've got this A&E documentary. I don't remember this guy coming up once. Of course, that's how it always goes. Right. This Rex Hurman, 59-year-old mm-hmm. father, husband, businessman. Always. Arrested and charged with the murder and killing of three of the four, the Gigolo four, Gigolo four. Yeah. Prime suspect for the fourth and tied to as many as six others. And he has pled not guilty. (laughs) I mean, you have to at this point, right? Right. You got to just take a shot. So Lisk has gone unsolved for more than a decade. And then finally, another task force formed apparently in the early 2020. Mm -hmm. And the key break in the case came from a piece of DNA that they matched on a discarded piece of um, pizza crust. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah that's and then there was work. like a hair on one of the bodies and that's yeah. yeah. And Crazy. so then that finally got them into the house where they have call logs to, with burner phones connecting him to the victims and their families. Internet history with at least 200 searches for information about the status of the investigation. That part cracked me up. I'm the like, are you for real? Compulsive searches for the photos of the victims and their family. And then um, violent pornography and depictions of abuse, rape, and killing women. <sighs> <sighs> Scary. And the wife, I get it. I don't know like what could possibly be going through her mind. But like, I guess... She, like they were trying to talk to her about it and she's just like it is what it is like i don't know what you want me to do she's with it. overwhelmed yeah however again maybe it's because i'm such a nosy little codependent wife mm-hmm. i don't think my husband could get away with this shit the, 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 the wife his fucking business the wife the kids they're all acting like they can't imagine and maybe that's true and everyone's relationships work differently but i just don't think he would get something that big by me mm-hmm like, you haven't caught on to the extremely violent porn he watches? Right. When does he do it? Right. No, I, I'm i with you, girl. I'm maybe it's because my husband's always at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, maybe he's doing it well, so that's outside of the it. home. So, I, I don't know what he does, but I know for sure that they said that he only killed when his family was out of town. So, like. Why would his family be going out of town without him so much or like? Yeah, I know that that happens quite a bit, especially if the wife is a stay at home mom. So like in the summer, she has time. Yeah. Um, and maybe he stays and works. Yeah. Like okay. mine and, uh, you know, Bo. And Our friend I- Bo, his wife, because she's I mean, she helps him with the like sure. bookkeeping and stuff. But she she's from Maine originally. They live in Florida. So she'll take off for like almost the whole summer with the yeah. kids to Maine. He'll stay there and work and then he'll like fly up to Maine every once in a while to like okay. visit. Yeah. But it's because she, her and the kids have the time and he doesn't. And you know what? The way you just described that would be perfect for the way that he's been discarding the body pieces. Right. Where he could just like, oh yeah, I'll drive there and I'll meet you guys in a couple weeks or whatever. Ugh, gross. What a piece of shit. Um, cause yeah, that's basically what the killing season did is so they go from Lisk, which then somehow linked to the Monroeville butcher, which yeah. then got linked to the Daytona serial killer, yeah. which then got linked to the East bound Atlanta serial yeah. killer, which then goes to the I four killer and the Costa Mesa killer. And I'm like, make it end yeah. because the theme is 
struggling working women sex workers mm-hmm. not like bad people they have families they have sisters they have people that care about them that they're still in contact with like yeah. they were supposed to be at so-and-so's for christmas they were supposed to xyz right so-and-so's birthday so they had loved ones but they're just discarded like garbage by most likely in a lot of the cases um like a truck driver yeah they, they call them the long haul killers that's so crazy and it's basically and like, what, it must be so easy like if you think about highway five that goes from san diego i think through canada and that's at least to the saying. top of the u.s they're like you cross one bounty or one county line and that's it the fucking investigation's done it's so crazy there's no way that these law enforcement people are gonna give enough fucks to actually be able to do it it's yeah so it's it was awful. really it was like you said it was great but it was upsetting. Of course. Sure. But mm-hmm. it's because it's great that it's upsetting, right? Absolutely. Okay. Speaking of upsetting, we have a pretty upsetting case tonight. But first, we got to take a pause and get some wine. Amen. Okay. So tonight's episode. First of all, if you want to play the THC drinking game at home, take a drink of whatever you're drinking. Anytime we mention a past THC episode, Mention a badass big sister. Mention the hit TV show Monk. If we spill something, if we cheers or what's the train. other one? Huh? Train. Oh, if you hear the train, which again, we have the window closed. So it's yeah, probably nine degrees outside. But let's cheers. Cheers to this is episode 96. We're Welcome almost at 100. Back. Three years later, we're almost at 100. I love it. That is so us. <laughs> it was crazy. I listened back at our Lisk episode. How'd it sound? uh, Great. Um, But this is what's bananas because it's the beginning of the podcast. So you're still a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Our kids are still babies. Like Violet was still napping. Yeah. Because we got fucking day drunk while they were napping one day. Yeah. And it was right before Christmas. Love it. six days before Christmas was when we did it. Amazing. It was a really fun episode. What a time. Mm -hmm. Was that when we got day drunk when we were doing your hair? I don't know. No, we didn't do my hair. We got day drunk and we watched Freaky, the Vince Vaughn movie. Oh, yeah. We didn't think we were getting day drunk that day. No. But it just happened. Again, I think I had just put Vi down yeah. and uh, you look at me and you're like, so we're day drinking. Yeah. And I'm like, a, perfect. All right. So episode 96, this is going to be about the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. And what lifetime movie did you watch, B? Fuck yeah. You gave me the 2017 original I Am Elizabeth Smart, which I know you've talked about on this podcast. I've never seen it. But you've talked about it before because I okay. feel like you're the one that pointed out um, like she's a narrator for the movie. Oh, and sh- Mariah's drinking out of her lifetime original glass. <laughs> no, I can't find Bailey's. I have a feeling one of the disgusting children in my house used it. And Gross. it's being washed somewhere. Fucking trolls. Okay. For this week's episode, I got everything from a biography.com article, a medium.com article. Um, I think I was reading some stuff maybe on oxygen.com, like interviews with Elizabeth. And I listened to an episode of a podcast called Criminology. Okay, you ready? Fuck yeah. It's been so long since we did I this. Know. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to try Get my Get back in the saddle. <laughs> Elizabeth Ann Smart is born November 3rd, 1987 in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
She's the second of six kids to Ed Smart, who's a successful real estate developer, and mom Lois Smart, who is a homemaker. The family are devout members of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And she, even though she's the second born, she's the first girl, which makes her a... Badass big sister. And she is the definition of that. She is a wonderful uh, big sister. She's kind and smart and shy and obedient. Like we said, she's a badass big sister. She helps take care of the four younger siblings. She loves to play the harp. And by middle school, she's even being asked to play at like weddings and funerals and like little local like concerts. That's and cool. A harp? Gatherings. Wow. Yep. She also loves horseback riding and long distance running. <laughs> she's actually an avid runner. She's pretty athletic. Well, good for her. June 4th, 2002. So we were just wrapping up which year in high school? Junior. That's right. Ding, ding, ding. Elizabeth and her family attend the end of year award ceremony at her school, which she collected multiple awards for academics and for physical fitness. Back home, they have their family prayer time. And then it's off to bed where Elizabeth shares a queen size bed with her little sister, nine year old Mary Catherine. Elizabeth reads to Mary Catherine for a bit and then they both fall asleep. Cute. Around 1 a.m., Elizabeth is woken up by a man standing at the side of her bed. She feels something cold and metal against her neck. He whispers, I have a knife to your neck. Don't make a sound. Get out of bed and come with me or I will kill you and your family. Mm. So Elizabeth being still like half asleep and disoriented and also scared right no in shock she's a baby like no this is she does as she's told and the man forces her into the closet to pick out a pair of like tennis shoes Mm -hmm. to wear all of this does wake up mary catherine but she's too scared to move um she does take a peek when he forces elizabeth into the closet and sees like a metal object in his hand being held to Elizabeth's side. And so she assumes it's a gun. Okay. But she pretends to be asleep. Mm -hmm. The man then walks Elizabeth out of their bedroom and Mary Catherine is brave enough to creep out of bed and follow behind and takes a peek through the crack in the door and sees the man forcing Elizabeth downstairs to the bottom floor of the house. Okay. And he seems oddly familiar, but she can't put her finger on it. Yep. She then is terrified, obviously. So she runs back to bed and basically hides in bed for about the next two hours, too scared to move or get back out of bed. I don't know how a child would process something like that. Like, even as an adult, it's just so mind-blowing. To, have to like you said, to be so brave to like creep out and take a look. Like, I feel like I would have just cowered under the covers and hoped to not be seen. Well, even as an adult, I've had way less scary things than this happened to me. And I've frozen in fear. Like your body locks up almost, <gasps> right? Okay. I hate to derail, but I just remembered what I was trying to remember when I was writing down extra notes. Oh, are you ready for this shit? Yeah. It's been a while since my child scared the shit out of me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've talked about it 
how like there's nothing scarier than like waking up and then like being there like staring at they're you. just standing there right check this shit out i had to make sure i wasn't like dreaming or too fucked up i woke up shit you not at three o'clock in the morning to violet laughing so hard it sounded like i would have thought nick was in there tickling her oh my god like i was convinced in my head i'm like she must have gotten scared and he's in there trying to like calm her down or like cheer her up so i go out i walk into the living room nick's out yeah he's asleep in the living room passed out like tv on blaring and so i walk back and i stood in front of her door for a, like a few minutes. Yo, do I even want to see what's going on in well, here? Well, that's just it. Like, she's not crying. She's not scared. So I don't like, want to walk in and like chance waking her up and scaring her. Or like if a ghost clown is making her laugh, at least she's entertained. Fuck. It fucked with me so hard. Like I went to like get my phone because I wanted to record it. And of course she stops. Right. So then I go and I get back into bed. And like a couple minutes later, I hear like a few residual like chuckles and i'm like you bitch and i wake her up the next morning i'm like how'd you sleep she's like i slept great and i'm like do you remember waking up she's like no <laughs> she like, was sleeping no i know i was like did you dream she's like i don't know yeah i'm like fuck you yeah possessed yeah my son maybe not laughs but he he basically sleepwalks like yeah. you will think he's up and awake and he'll like be talking to you. And I used to do that. And he is dead asleep. Yeah. It's <sighs> wild. And he used to do this thing when he was little. So Kai used to scare me because Kai got night terrors. Yeah. And so they would sit up in bed and be asleep, but screaming. Yeah. And you can't it's shake so them out scary. of it because they're sleeping. Yeah. So that was terrifying. Wyatt. I don't know if he was having night terrors and he's just quieter or what, but he used to do this thing where he would sit bolt right out of bed and just and stare. Just stare. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, please, please, please. Yeah. If you're a demon, please yeah. just lay back down. <laughs> I can't do possessed. this anymore. Luckily, my youngest doesn't do any of that. That's why I was like, at least she's laughing. So I saw a TikTok where this, like, I would say probably young adult, she looked like she's in her early 20s, was like gently poking fun at moms. And she's like, why do all moms wake up when you wake them up? They wake up like this. <gasps> like, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, why do all moms wake up terrified and in a panic? Kids break you. And you're like, yeah. And everyone in the comments were like, because kids are terrifying because we've woken up to kids staring at us. <laughs> or it's because like, because moms are always the default for everything. Yeah. So we just assume something's wrong. We're constantly panicking in our heads anyways. So, yeah, it was so funny. She got a whole comment section of, of moms, moms ready to answer her. Every, every excuse. Because I do that, too. If you wake me up, I wake up and I go, <gasps> what? What? Yeah. Like, you woke me up from a nightmare, but you didn't. That's just how I wake up now. So, again, this is us, adults, waking up like fucking lunatics. And this is a baby waking up and watching her sister get abducted in the middle of the night. Way to bring it back. T- Boom. Oh, good job, B. <laughs> I can tell this isn't your first rodeo. <laughs> The man then takes Elizabeth out of the house, takes her to, they kind of live at the edge of like, kind of like a mountainside, Mm -hmm. takes her through the woods to a campsite that's about three and a half miles away from her home. Waiting at the camp is the man's wife, who he calls Hepzibah. Good. See, I forgot to write her name down, so thank you. Hepzibah. Yes. And she calls him Emmanuel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hepzibah then forces Elizabeth into their tent to be 
fully cleaned. Elizabeth argues that she just took a shower before bed. She was already clean. Obviously, she didn't want to get naked in front of these fucking weirdos. Duh. And so after going back and forth, Hepzibah clears it with Emmanuel, who was like, no, that's fine. She's clean enough, but does have Hepzibah wash Elizabeth's feet, hands, face. And then Hepzibah informs her that she has to take off her pajamas and destroy them. They're going to burn them. And she has to put on these like white robes that they've provoked. Not like a spa robe, no, no, like no. a religious robe. Right. And Elizabeth is fighting back and doesn't want to. And Hepzibah is basically like, well, you can do it or I can get a manual in here and he'll cut the clothes off of you and force you to change. And so, of course, Elizabeth changes. A manual then comes in and performs a air quote religious ceremony that is basically a marriage to Elizabeth and he then proceeds to rape Elizabeth for the first time. Afterwards, he shackles Elizabeth to a tree with like a metal cable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mary Catherine finally gets out of bed and goes and wakes up her mom and dad. And of course, the first thing they think is it's just a nightmare, babe. They think she's just having a bad dream. And so they take her back to bed where Elizabeth's not there, but not panicked yet. It's pretty common for Elizabeth to get annoyed with her sister, like kicking, flailing around, whatever. And so she'll usually just go sleep on the couch or whatever. So like, okay, let's go see if she's on the couch, not on the couch. Like, okay. So then Ed and Lois do the thing that we always talk about, especially with JonBenet Ramsey. They look everywhere in that house, every nook, cranny, bedroom, They look everywhere for her. There's no sign of her. But Lois does find that their kitchen window, which had been left open that night, the screen had a big slash in it. It had Uh been cut open. Yeah. And it's on. And then they discover shortly after that, that the side door that leads outside from the kitchen is unlocked. And they know for sure that they lock all the doors before bed. And they vividly remember locking that side door. They pick the lock. No, I think he slashed the window and came in and then he left. Oh, left through, yep. left makes, through the that door. That makes more sense. But the other thing, though, is, B, is they have all the doors as part of their home security system and the alarm wasn't tripped when he opened the door. So okay. somehow somebody knew how to open that door without Maybe tripping the alarm. Maybe he made her do that. Could be. We don't know. This right. is just what they're finding. Right, for sure. No, that's my speculation. Ed, of course, calls 911 immediately. He then calls. He pulls a who's John. Is that John Ramsey? And calls all of his friends, family and neighbors to the house to help look for Elizabeth. Bro. And by the time the police get there, the house is full of people. Damn. The police eventually they restrict access to the house around 7 a.m. because it is technically an active crime scene, although now it is a contaminated crime scene. See, and this is what I learned from this fucking podcast, right? Like, I I feel like I am better prepared for these horrible situations. I don't have enough people to call to fill my house. (laughs) I might call you guys. You guys won't answer. For real. So it'll just be us here. For real. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. The police get a kind of vague description because of course she didn't see much it was nighttime from mary catherine 
She describes the man as a white man around her brother's height, her oldest brother, which is about five eight. Mm-hmm. He was wearing light colored clothing and his voice sounded familiar. But again, she couldn't place it. But she knows that she's heard his voice before. Mm-hmm. The police have kind of sussed out the fact that they probably left on foot and they probably headed up that mountainside. And so. Them and Ed and Lois start a massive search party that includes bloodhounds and helicopters and literally thousands of volunteers that have come out to help try to find Elizabeth. Love to see it. The family then announces within the first couple days a $250,000 reward for any information that leads to finding Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Three days after her kidnapping, Elizabeth is at the campsite and she because remember she's only three and a half miles away yeah and she hears voices calling her name yeah and before she gets a chance to respond emmanuel steps in and tells her stay silent or i will kill your family and i will kill you right here yep emmanuel of course goes on to rape elizabeth multiple times sometimes multiple times a day In between this, he likes to just go on and on and on about how he's an angel sent to fight the Antichrist. And he needs, I can't remember how many virgin wives. I want to say it's like seven virgin wives to like help him do that. And that Elizabeth is going to be the first of like many virgin wives that he's going to collect. And he Mm -hmm. starts to sound very much like, who was our hometown girl that was kept for so many years? J.C. Lee. Starts to sound like the dude who, remember, he was always saying wacky shit like that in between their little sessions. For sure. Pretty disgusting. And, of course, reiterates the fact that if she ever tries to escape, he will kill her family. That is his ace in the hole because she, her family's everything. Obviously. And Mormon families, your family is everything. These big families, they all stick together. Yeah. So... The idea of that is absolutely horrifying to her. Of course. Of course, soon his wife, Hepzibah, becomes jealous of how obsessed with Elizabeth he is. Again, very J.C. Lee Dugard, right? So he basically sets up a schedule. Morning to afternoon will be his time with Hepzibah. The rest of the time is his time with Elizabeth. The police investigation so far has led to nothing. They believe that whoever they're looking for is somebody who at least knows the family because it was obviously someone who knew the layout of the house. You know, like mm, they got yeah. in and out of that house quietly. Right. They didn't trip over anything. They didn't knock anything over. Yeah. They knew where the girls' room was. And obviously Mary Catherine recognizing the voice and him seeming oddly familiar. This leads them to believe that it is somebody that knows the family. So, of course, any investigation starts with the family. Yeah. Ed and Lois and everyone who knows them just stands firm 100%. The family had nothing to do with this. They stand firm on the fact that Elizabeth is not a runaway. They said she had zero conflict in her life, zero problems. There would be no reason, no indicators that she would ever run away. She's she's sheltered probably in a good way, but to the point where it's like, would she even know how to run away? Right. Where would she go? Yeah. Well, how would she even pull that off? Yeah. So I I appreciate that they stand firm because you hear that. In fact, we heard that. I can't remember what, but we hear that time and time again. It was Michelle Knight. They 
gave up on her because they're like, well, duh, she's a drug addict or like she's but from a junkie mom. We've like, heard it so many times, though, yeah, where the like, family's she like, just, they, she didn't run away. And yeah. they're like, oh, she's a runaway. It was the Long Island. Yeah, they stro- said that about hers, too. Yeah, oh, like your daughter's just a druggie. Like, of course, she's just gone. Like, why, why should we care? We're not going to invest our resources. So the police interview everybody that the smart family knows and they come up with nothing. And one thing is that the smart family is actually living in a newly built house in a new like subdivision that was just freshly built. So over the last year, they've had about 60 different like tradesmen in and out of their house doing final touches, repairs, whatever. Yeah. So Ed and Lois come up with what the police call the handyman list. Mm -hmm. And it has about 60 names on it. Mm -hmm. As the police investigate that, they also bring in the FBI. And the FBI create a profile of the man that, you know, whoever, the mystery man who took Elizabeth. They said that basically the the crime is going to be that of sexual violence. Sexual in nature. That it was a premeditated crime that he probably would have taken Elizabeth to a predetermined spot and that he probably has previous sexual issues and offenses like voyeurism. So that's their profile of their guy they're looking for. To have them profile someone so horrific and know that they're the ones that have your child mm-hmm. and you're just helpless. I can never imagine being any of these parents in any of the cases we talk about. I know. It is as horrific as it could possibly get. That's why I really liked that during my sickness when I was clinging on for life, I chose like the the shows with all the, the kid killing. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, my kid's gone for a week and I'm clinging on for life. I'm just going to really go down that fucking hole. Yeah. I mean, you're already so depressed. You might as well right, just, just like cling. Yeah, it just home. really do it. As the handyman list dwindles down and they cross suspect after suspect off of it, they finally find a suspect. June 14th, they arrest a man named Richard who Hmm. worked on the house multiple times. He was really friendly and outgoing with the family. He really liked the kids and showed them a lot of attention. Ed and Lois, however, suspected him of stealing from them. And so they did let him go. But... Come to find out, Richard Richard is on parole, and he has a substance abuse history. He fits the physical description, and when they search Richard's house, they find the stolen objects from Ed and Lois, so they were correct. He was stealing from them, as well as clothing that matched the description that Mary Catherine gave to police. Also, and I'm not sure how they figured this out, but there's like thousands of miles put on his jeep in the like i think it's only been like a couple weeks okay i don't know how they know how much miles he used to have on his jeep versus now but whatever what, that's brought he bought up. it new and they're, they're like, i don't know yeah. how they figured that out but there's mm-hmm. thousands of miles on his jeep that he won't he can't account come, for yeah he won't come clean about where they came from okay. however he swears that he was at home the night of Elizabeth's kidnapping at home with his wife. His wife confirms this story and he even offers he offers to take a polygraph and he offers to give DNA samples and he whatever tests you guys have to do 
sign me up because I'm innocent. I can hear the train. I can hear the train too. <laughs> we'll take a train set. Right. They can't hear it, but we can. Choo-choo. Well, I love this. I mean, again, we've got a wife who's like, boom, he's here. He's willing to give whatever it takes. The police have partial, like some partial fingerprints and a partial palm print from the girls' room that doesn't match anybody that they had been interviewing or whatever. Okay. It also does not match Richard. Love it. Yeah. But they're like, whatever. Those prints could be from anywhere. We need an answer. You're going to fit it. Even Mary Catherine is telling them that's, that's not, not him. him. I know who that is. That's not who I saw and heard, but they do not give a fuck mm-hmm. and they are convinced they have their guy. Meanwhile, Emmanuel is starting to try to like basically brainwash Elizabeth. He makes her change her name. I forgot yep. to write down her changed name. I have it. Perfect. Yeah. So he makes her change her name. She's not allowed to use her name anymore. She, he doesn't really want her talking about her family anymore. And if she has to talk about her parents, she's supposed to call them Ed and Lois. Mm-hmm. He starts doing these like stints of starving her and then providing. Again, we see this time and oh time again gosh. with yeah. these motherfuckers who keep these this girls captive. The controlling of the food. He will like force feed her alcohol and even force her to like smoke weed and take drugs <sighs> And Elizabeth just starts going to a really dark place. She starts to believe that no one will love her now that she's not a good girl and now that she's dirty. And her religious. Right. And so nobody in her life's going to want her back, which is an awful thing to think. And it's exactly where Emmanuel wants her. Of course, because it's going to give her less strength to fight back. She's no longer tethered to the tree. She's now getting more and more freedom. And again, we've seen this again and again, like with Colleen Stan, right? The girl in the box. Yeah. Where they, you give them a little bit of freedom and then they're scared to lose those privileges. Of course. So that also keeps her behavior in check. Yeah. And again, also the, still the fear that she wouldn't want anything to happen to anybody because of her. Of course. So Emmanuel decides it's a new wife time, time to bring in another wife. And basically lets Elizabeth know that she will be in charge of the new wife and she will have to do everything for the new wife that Hepzibah has been doing for her. And again, like the girls in Cleveland. Yeah. Right. July 24th, Salt Lake City police get a call from a sheriff's office. Elizabeth's 19 year old cousin, Jessica, had been woken up the night before at 3 a.m. by the sound of. Picture frames falling off of her dresser, which is Mm. underneath her window. She wakes up and she sees a man trying to cut the screen with a knife. And she screams for her dad and the man gets freaked out and runs away. Yep. What's interesting is Jessica had just switched rooms, literally had just switched rooms with her 14-year-old little sister, Olivia, who obviously is also Elizabeth's cousin and Elizabeth's best friend. Yeah. They are... Thick as thieves. Those two are very, very close. That makes sense. Okay. Cool. So the family believes when they call the police that Olivia was an intended target to be the next. For sure. Like a member of the family kidnapped. Absolutely. But the police write it off as a prank. 
And even though there are multiple details of the crime scenes that are the exact same that they have not released to the public, that only the kidnappers would know were the same thing to do. They're like, it's a copycat or it's a prank. It's no big deal. Just let it go. We have our guy. Richard's our guy. He's in prison. This is the hardest pill to swallow because, again, just like with the fucking documentary, like that was the whole thing. Like the failure of the system in place that is supposed to be protecting us and helping us and solving these things and the fucking lack like the inadequacy it's oh it's infuriating and i think i just like because it can work it's that some detectives or police officers or whatever whether it's their ego or not wanting to let people down or whatever it is they just they want a solve of and course, sometimes what, they're going to make it fit the puzzle no matter what. Yeah, and they, that's what even leads to like some dirty cops, right? Planting the evidence and to taking make it bribes fit their narrative. And so that way they get the gold star and the add a boy, even though it's not all boys. But like, you know, yeah. the good job, yeah. the things that are just overlooked. Emmanuel tells Elizabeth about this whole plan that he uh, just tried to do, but he doesn't let her know that he got scared off. Because he's probably a big fucking pussy who can't fight to save his life. Yeah. And ran away. Uh, he basically tells her that, like, God spoke to him and just wasn't the right time yet. Obviously. But he did let her know who the intended wife was going to be. And, of course, this rocks Elizabeth's world. Because this is her worst fear coming true is him harming members of her, her family. family. And the only reason that he knows about this member of her family is because she told him about because they're. Talking, talking, talking. What are they going to do? And so she just feels so upset because she's the one who told him about her. And he was so close to then hurting a member of her family, which is her worst case scenario. Right. Now, they believe Richard is their guy. However, August 30th, Richard actually dies in jail due to a brain aneurysm. Wow. And so now police just believe that there's no hope to ever find out what happened to Elizabeth because obviously this guy did something he with her. He knew everything and, and now he he's died gone. and now we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel is now real cocky. He's cocky enough to take Elizabeth out with him and Hepzibah. And when they go out, they're still dressed in their all white robes, but he puts face covering, head covering veils on Elizabeth, sometimes on his wife, too, but always on Elizabeth. And if anyone asks, he plays it off like that's just their religion, that his daughter's face can't be shown. She's pure. And she can't talk. Yeah. And that's just a religious thing. And you have to respect their religion. Of course. Who's going to argue with that? August, the three are spotted in a library and the worker is very suspicious of what's happening here. He calls the police. The police arrive and they question Emmanuel. Emmanuel will not let the police speak to either of the women because Mm -hmm. that's against his religion. Of course. He refuses to lift Elizabeth's veil because that's against his religion. And of course, the cop has to tread lightly because you don't want to... peed on like religious rights and the police also just feel like because the worker at the library was suspicious about the elizabeth smart thing i don't know what about it made him suspicious right something about it maybe it was a gut feeling or whatever kind of clued him in and the police officer was like well if this 
girl was in any kind of distress or was a victim, she would signal me or tell me. And Elizabeth just sits there quietly the whole time. He's like, well, obviously she's not in distress. So what am I going to do? And he lets them go. Thank goodness for that librarian. Like, obviously it didn't work out, but it takes those types of. Of course. Now they're bringing Elizabeth to lots of different places. They even let her like roam at those places. Like if they go to they love like an all you can eat buffet. A sizzler. Something like that. (laughs) Yes. And they'll let her go and like reload her plate and stuff. And they have. Oh, my gosh. The. The freedom she must have felt. Yeah, but they have zero fear that she's going to say anything. At of any course. point, she could say something. They know that they've got the mental shackles. Yes. Emmanuel decides it's new wife time again. He's going to try again. So he packs the women up onto a bus and they move to Lakeside, California in San Diego County. Hey. October 12th. A breakthrough. A breakthrough. Mary Catherine suddenly remembers the man who took Elizabeth. And she remembers that she knows who he is and she can tell the police all about him. She remembers that that man is a man whose name is Emmanuel, that he was basically like a street preacher. And when Lois and the kids were like running errands in town, they encountered him. And of course, Lois struck up a conversation with him. And he was basically telling her that he was looking for work as well. And they were getting work done on their house. So she has Ed hire him to come in and just do a couple odd jobs in the house, as well as some like landscaping so stuff. I try to convince Nick of this shit all the time. Like, let's go on the next door app. And like, they've got college students looking to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, he could just. And he's like, fuck you. Can you just not? Well, uh, he's on to something. Right. <laughs> So um, Emmanuel goes and helps for like a full day and he's working with Ed. They're working together and then he just disappears. Yeah. And Ed can never get a hold of him again. Yeah. So he's like, all right, well, that's that, I guess. Fuck. In fact, their encounter with him was so brief. They didn't even think about him. Was to he put included him- on the no. list? God damn Because he was only there for a few hours. He was right. only there for a day. They forgot gone. all about him. He was just a fucking dust in the wind. So Mary Catherine helps the police come up with a sketch of what Emmanuel looks like. But the police don't release it yet because they're worried that if he still has Elizabeth and sees the sketch, he might get freaked out and he'll kill her. Yep. Spook him. At this point, Emmanuel tries to kidnap another girl, but he's scared off by whatever, like the sounds of her family. I guess maybe not everyone was asleep or something. February 12th. Emmanuel is arrested for breaking and entering at a church and he gives obviously a fake name, but they take his prints and his prints come up as that of one Brian Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Brian Mitchell was born in 1953 in Salt Lake City. He's also a member of a six sibling family. He's the third in line. Wow. And of course, a Mormon family. To kind of scare Brian off from sex at an early age, his dad starts showing him like pornographic images. Okay. And at 16, Brian exposes himself to a child, which gets him locked up in juvie for a while. At 19, he marries his first wife when she's 16 years old. So he's marrying a minor. They have kids. They get divorced. She takes the kids and gets out of there. He develops a pretty bad drug and booze habit. He then goes through his second marriage 
to a woman named Debbie who has three kids from a previous marriage. Okay. He is abusive towards Debbie and then she catches on to him sexually abusing their three or her three-year-old. Nope. nope, nope. Instant divorce. She grabs her kids and runs. Mm-hmm. Although one of her other children, one of her girls, admits to the fact that he had been sexually abusing her the oh. whole time as well. Gosh. So she gets her kids out of there. Oh. He then marries his third wife, Wanda Barzi, who is Hepzibah. <laughs> she is a 40-year-old divorcee with six kids of her own. Damn. Who are now all grown and do not have a relationship with their mother because they say her mother was extremely abusive yeah. when they were kids. And the two, they're like two peas in a pod. Of course. They're made for each other. And so they join the church their local chapter of the Mm -hmm. church of latter-day saints and they eventually get kicked out for being too fucking weird basically and they start doing their street preaching gig and one thing leads to another and they're kidnapping elizabeth boom drink the kool-aid kind of charlie manson type of yeah they're kind of weird back to where we were in the story so he's been arrested for breaking and entering after six days in custody i'm now going to call them by their names brian and wanda yeah after six days in custody, Brian returns to the campsite with <laughs> now's not the time to find silver linings, but you would appreciate this, B. He, the, uh, Wanda and Elizabeth have been starving this whole time. All six and days, they didn't have food resources yeah, yeah. or anything. He shows up with Tall Boys of Steel Reserve and KFC. <gasps> I mean, I feel awful for them, mm-hmm. but goddamn. What a time. We feel awful for, awful for them, of course. However, we love malt liquor and fried chicken. I, pff, bitch, I got fried chicken in my fridge right now. The problem is, is that they already, Elizabeth's already sick from not eating. You need water. And she's not used to malt liquor. She's okay. used to Utah liquor. I'm not used to malt liquor. Right. Like <laughs> She's used to like pansy ass you because Utah like liquor has a less oh fuck I alcohol about content yeah, i think yeah, yeah. their alcohol volume content's like 3.5 for sure and as i learned from that podcast still reserves at an eight fuck yeah yeah fuck so yeah. she's sick to her stomach she's begging for something else to drink and he's like no you're gonna drink your fucking steel reserve and you're gonna like she it get fucked up fast well she just gets sick yeah so she ends up throwing up everywhere yeah. and she's forced to like sleep in it oh she's at an all-time low where she Gosh. really wants to escape but she's so like hopeless and mm. downtrodden and just i mean we've all been there after too much she malt liquor she needs some water and a hug yeah. and a shower. It's rough. The next day, after when she's in this pit of despair, the next day the police release the sketch of Brian. Okay. It's shown almost immediately on America's Most Wanted and Larry King Live, and uh-huh. the tips start pouring in, even with pictures that people have taken of Brian and Wanda and letting the been so cocky. police yeah. know what's going on. March 1st, the police publicly name Brian Mitchell as their number one suspect in the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart. Meanwhile, Brian has no idea. And Elizabeth has no idea. She does How not. She? she has no How idea she? that she's like a national news sensation and that everyone knows about her case. Uh, right. She'd have no idea. 
Elizabeth really wants to go back to Utah because she doesn't know that it's like on a national level. She thinks her only chance of like escape is if she goes back to Salt Lake City and tells them I'm Elizabeth Smart or whatever. She no. thinks that that's her only path. So she Uno reverses Brian's dumb ass and starts playing his little tricks on him, telling him that she just has this overwhelming feeling. She feels like um, it's a feeling that was sent to her by God that they need to return to Utah. Fuck yeah. And then she starts convincing him of these Preach, like bitch. these like girl camps that are in the mountains of Utah. And she's like, think of all the virgin wives you have there in the mountains of Utah. Mm -hmm. So she convinces them and they head on back to Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, they do. While they're on the road. Oh, so while they're on the road, Emmanuel thinks the veils are actually going to call too much attention to them. Oh, so he has the he has Elizabeth not wear the veil, but he buys them all like these weird cheap wigs and like oversized sunglasses for Elizabeth. They stop at a Burger King on outside of Las Vegas and the police are called actually on like a loitering call because they think that these like weird homeless people are just like hanging around this Burger King. For sure. And they question him for a little bit, but then the police end up letting them go. However, March. Oh, you guys can hear that one. That's probably loud enough. Choo -choo. Did you guys hear the train? That was a loud one. That was a good one. I like felt it coming mm -hmm. before I heard it. March 12th, 2003. We're now seniors in high school, B. They stop at a Walmart in Utah, less than 30 miles away from Salt Lake City. And after they leave and they're walking down the street, police start approaching them. Multiple police officers and multiple cars start approaching them. They have gotten numerous calls from people inside the Walmart who recognize Brian. They actually don't say anything about Elizabeth necessarily, but that's because unfortunately at this point, a lot of people are convinced that Elizabeth's probably dead. But they recognize Brian. So they call in about these three people walking down the highway and the police stop the threesome. Brian and Wanda want to keep walking, but... The police ask Elizabeth what her name is and they get no response from her. And Brian, of course, tries to step in and give them his regular his like spiel. That but he always they're gives not them. in their religious garb. And the police don't fucking care. They're like, no, you shut the fuck up. We I'm know asking who you her are. a question. And they ask her again and again. No answer. No answer. And so finally, they separate Elizabeth from Brian and Wanda. They put her in the back of one of their cars. And he basically asks her straight up. Are you Elizabeth Smart? He tells her, if you are, your family misses you so much. They've been looking for you nonstop. Ugh. They love you so much. All they want is for you to come home. They just want you to come home. And so finally, Elizabeth starts crying and she finally nods her head. Yes. I'm going to start crying know, and nodding too. my my head. Yes. I know. Me too. I got all the feels. And they immediately arrest Brian and Wanda and Elizabeth's nine months in captivity has come to an end. Of course, they the first person they call is they get her up to Salt Lake City Police Department. They call Ed, get him in there. And of course, he greets her with open arms. So happy to see her. So happy to have Ooh. his baby back. I can't imagine. Forget it. So the charges they got brought up on were like 
basically kidnapping, imprisonment, um, sexual assault, and a lot of shit happens over the few years that follows. It's a lot of like psych evaluations, trying to see if they can stand, if they're like competent to stand trial. It goes back and forth. Somebody says they are competent. Somebody says they're not competent. And it goes on and on and on and on for a few years. Um, Elizabeth, of course, is super brave and faces them in court and does her testimony. And at the end of all of that, I'm not going to get into all the details. Do you of guys course. really care about the legal details? Right. Brian is found guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with intent to engage in sexual activity. And he is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And he is currently serving his sentence at the U.S. Penitentiary Terry Hout, which is a high security federal prison in Terry Hout in Indiana. Wanda eventually pleads guilty and is sentenced to like 15 concurrent years in state prison. She's released in September 2018 which elizabeth strongly protested oh god but she is out on the streets you can google her and you will see like paparazzi pictures of her just fucking walking around free as a bird doing what just being alive (laughs) i hope as like a I mean, I don't want to say this, but like as a homeless person, like do they have a. Oh, it said I'm I'm reading about it right now. It's oh. revealed that she is living near a Salt Lake City elementary school. Ew. There no, appear to be no restrictions be okay. to how close she can live to school, though Utah state rule disallows her from going on to school property. That's so she's also stupid. registered as a sex offender. Oh, yeah. So parole. a sex offender can go as close as they want to the school as long as it's not on the property. Elizabeth, of course, has done multiple interviews. She's been really brave about telling her story everywhere from Dateline to Oprah to Nancy Grace. She's written multiple books, including so the Smart Family published a book, Bringing Elizabeth Home. Um, Her (laughs) uncle wrote a book. Her dad wrote a book. She's there's been a few different movies, obviously Lifetime movies made about her. And there's been documentaries made about her that she was a part of. And I believe she even I don't have it written down, but I believe she even has like her own show and maybe her own podcast. Yeah. So from all what they're telling the media, she kind of came home and was like back to normal Elizabeth, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, she does like it to be made known. And this was the same thing with J.C. Lee Dugard. Elizabeth talks about this, too, about because everyone likes to bring up the fact that she didn't ask for help when they were in public and that she had Stockholm syndrome and blah, 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 blah. In my notes. And she mm-hmm. said, I absolutely did not have Stockholm syndrome. I was never a part of those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. I was doing what I thought I had to do to survive. Absolutely. And I fucking survived. Absolutely. So it's wild to me that people would question what she was doing, like. She was a child. What do you want her to do? What would you do? Who knows? I hope I never have to find that out. But it's crazy to me that of all the people they're questioning, you're going to question the victim. I know. Why don't you question that piece of shit in prison? Why he's such a piece of shit? It happens every fucking time. Mm -hmm. Every time. So that is the case of Elizabeth Smart. Cheers to Elizabeth Smart for being a badass bitch. She did it. Fuck yeah. She survived it, man. Absolutely. I mean, I almost want to apologize to you listeners because you know 
as per usual, Lifetime killed it. So you just get to hear all that all over again. <laughs> just cliff note it. Yeah. Go quickly. Because, <laughs> of course, Lifetime's like every detail. No, for real. I'm like, well. Um, it was interesting, though. I'll say up front. Um, I think on purpose, they tried to leave the little sister out of it. So that was interesting for me. And then obviously I had no background on Emmanuel. My heart really goes out to Mary Catherine. I can't imagine. Not that she should feel this way, but I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes. How guilty and upset I would feel about not trying to remember enough, Mm -hmm. not trying to stop it, not being able to like get out of the bed. Like, I think that those are all very normal reactions and she should not feel that way. Of course. But I feel like I would feel that way. I know I would. And hopefully she got some therapy and she can work through it because that's it's a lot. It's a lot of to take course. on as a fucking nine year old. But luckily they have each other and Elizabeth being so, so strong. Yeah. I mean, that's it's incredible. I have no doubt that as a family, which is really nice because not every time does that work out and end up being the case the strong family afterwards right yeah nope i think i think they're i think they're pretty good to go yeah and i know that i don't have this written down i just know this from other cases we've covered in my own true crime stuff um i know ed smart is really active in like other if people have missing children he really reaches out to those parents to like help support them and like kind of talk through it. So, and I think Elizabeth does too for um, missing people who have been found. She'll like reach out to the victims. And so I love that for our episode. Not often do we get to give such strong praise to a religious family. Like they're, they're a great example. Good apples. Of how, how that can really benefit. Yeah. Religion, just like anything else, there's good apples and bad apples. Yeah. And I think, it's although refreshing that you we and I are religious people, the thing that I can talk about. We have faith. I got something, but my, yeah. like my dad's real religious. And although I might not believe in all the little details he believes in, something I do believe in is like community. Yes. And his little church down in the East Bay that he was a member for, for years, again, I might not believe every word that they're telling me, but I do love how they support the low income members of the community and how they band together and celebrate each other and like make shit happen in their community from a ground level. To me, for me personally, that's more religious than actual religion. Right. Right. And so the same thing, the banding together and doing the search and supporting her when she came home. And I like the community. And if religion is what brings that out in people, yeah. I'm fucking here for it, dude. And it's just like I'm saying, it's not often that we get to to relate that back to one of our cases. So that's really nice. All right. Drink break. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Just in case you forgot <laughs> anything from just a second ago. Let's let's do it all over again. Oh, my Lord. Like, I'll... should I just give my review up front? Just, you know, cliff note it. Just go through it quick. Because we have been talking, we're we're clocking in an hour and forty right I now. I know we're crazy. That's okay. I just I'm so excited not to talk anymore. They got to be tired of my voice. They have to be. Stop it. I'm not. So, again, it's unique that this is the first time a film is featuring the voice of the victim. She, Love it. She is the narrator of the movie. This is 
obviously her complete point of view. Like I said, you just gave me the facts and this is everything I got to see. Fantastic. Minus those few little things. She really, she knew where to go. She knew to trust Lifetime, Lifetime. to make it. Of course. So we have the abduction. Do you know who the man is? Did you see? The actor? Yeah. I know nothing about the movie. You don't know who the actor is? Oh my God. Wait. Okay. 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 Try to give me some clues. Episode one. Is this Keith Ulrich? Yes. <laughs> what a time to be alive. <sighs> He's our Emmanuel. You know he, what? Fuck it. Take me. I don't care. Rough. Just kidding. I'm sorry. That I was inappropriate. I no, I love it so much. He is our Brian David Mitchell. Uh, amazing. Everything you said, the, the whole, every, all, everything goes down. I immediately think back to episode 51, Girl in the Bunker. Remember the girl comes home with the weed? Yes. And the guy's like, I'm an officer and you got to follow me. And he takes her out into the woods. Yeah. We get to wife Wanda Beelzebub. <laughs> Everything you said, but Beelzebub is played by Detective Linda Arndt, who was a agent in episode 83, The Smoking Pumpkin. Okay. Or not pumpkin, pineapple. Okay. I was like, I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, the John Bonet. Yeah. And you've made references to that already yes. tonight. So killing it. Wow. I know. She was the one who didn't trust John right away, right? Remember? She was yes. like, pulling her gun. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. What else? Boo, boo, boo. They have the first night where she looks at him like, I'm a child. I haven't even had my period yet. Right. And he rapes her, and she describes it as being smashed into a million tiny pieces that no one would be able to put back together. And she, at this point, was like, well, I'd be better off dead. <sighs> Poor thing. I literally cannot imagine. So that's the first night. And that's definitely part of it, too, is we are talking about a very sheltered girl. Yeah. Like, she's very, very sheltered by her family and her community. Absolutely. So, um probably a little bit easier to manipulate again that's not her fault no that's just the way it is and this stuff that's happening to her is probably stuff that she's never Terrifying. even imagined never seen a penis oh god um, how awful i'm curious to see your take on this part because we talk about how they remove everything that was hers right she, yes but she has a safety pin from her pajamas yeah okay she did. I just didn't talk about Perfect. it. Perfect. Because for her, in her words, that safety pin was the only piece of her former life that she could have as like a reminder. Girl, open that safety pin and jab it she into his fucking eyeball. So she tried to use it to, to like work through the restraints. Yeah. I mean, she did. But it, I know it's a fucking you can only expect pin. so much. I know. I get it. I yeah. get it. But yes, yeah, so no, that happened in real life, too. I love and it. Because she is Mormon. I guess her pajama top kept like coming unbuttoned. OK. And so she was using the safety pin to keep her pajama top closed. There we go. Brian and Wanda are trying to convince her that she needs to feel special because she's been chosen. Oh, boy. We we love this. And like I had said um, about them trying to cut out like the little sister, I think, because in this movie, this is when Elizabeth puts it together like, oh, my mom gave you money and my dad gave you a job. 
Got it. Okay. Okay. So day two is the day where she gets her new name, which she gets to choose from the Old Testament. And she chooses the name Esther because according to Elizabeth, Esther was known in the Bible to be like a badass bitch. Like she fought back. Okay. So she wanted a strong name. Let's go. Yes. Love it. Day three is where she kind of started to comply a little bit more because she had the logic that it's harder to kill someone that you like. All right. She wanted to be likable. And I think that's super fucking smart. Yeah. Right. Like if you enjoy the presence of this person which Emmanuel clearly did but Beelzebub was threatened by but that was I can't remember all of their names but remember that was that one girl in Cleveland who she was like yeah prettier uh, and softer than our main girl and she like went along with it better absolutely no I'm absolutely gonna come to that um because she does uh she feels threatened like Elizabeth's there's to like take her spot as first wife right Mm mm-hmm even though she was already third wife, but whatever. <clears throat> I guess one of the days she heard her uncle calling her name. Oh, okay. In the movie. Her Specifically. Uncle, her uncle Dave. And so she knew, like, I'm not going to fucking risk putting him in this situation. She's like, I'm not going to respond. I wish that we could go back in time and just let her know that her uncle would want her to put him in that position. She recalls seeing a police car drive by and not having the opportunity. She saw the helicopters. I know. It's so hard. Yeah. It's crazy. They did a lot of fucking Bible stories, which I guess now she should have been used to. But besides the point, I guess what she was getting like they talked a lot that's what it is it's like you can be in a religious family but it's not the only thing you ever talk about is bible verses like please stop that would be horrific so like we were talking about this is where i put in my notes this is reminds me of the castro where uh i guess it was episode 80 how he just basically discarded michelle once he had amanda right Mm -hmm. that was his prize his trophy wife Right. Mm-hmm. There's also episode 72, and then there's episode 38 and episode 67. So we've got J.C. Lee Dugard, Colin Stan, and even Con- uh, Condra Torres. Remember the girl where uh, they were in the woods camping? They were newlyweds? Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually that episode that we first really Heard about Stockholm Syndrome. We got deep into it. Exactly. It was that episode. And so this is clearly where we can relate it back to Elizabeth. Like, she makes it very clear at this point that she made choices that either kept her alive or killed her. Because that was it. Right. You're going to end the pain or you're going to fucking fight. Right. And this was her way of fighting. Yeah. So and it worked. It did, right? We see the freedom from camp. Um, we talked shit about Fourth of July recently. This was her Fourth of July. They let her watch the fireworks. Oh. She really like that was that was a big thing for her. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's the fireworks that make her homesick, and this is when she talks about Olivia 
And this is when he decides that that's going to be the third wife. So just like you said, I didn't know about the room switching. Okay. But I did know that God blocked his plan. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But imagine how that made Elizabeth feel where, of course, had he gotten Olivia, she would have felt so guilty. Oh, my God. Forget it. But now... Having God blocked him from Olivia, Elizabeth, it's, well, why not me? Of course. Why did he allow you to take me? So it's it's a fucking lose-lose. Worst case scenario. <clears throat> we won't go too deep into it, but it's a big problem I personally have with religion. Day 76. Elizabeth is trying to get into Wanda's head. Like, it's not fair that Brian gets to go out and about and you're stuck here with me taking care of me teaching me all these things like true that would piss me off as a wife for real right and so it works and when brian comes back fucking drunk talking about all of his bounties she's right she's like fuck you and she takes off Brian tries to rape Elizabeth and at this point she's already fucking like you said beautifully you flip the Uno card she's like you told Wanda that I was like your nighttime pleasure like you're only supposed to be with me during the nighttime like she's your daytime wife so like you can't rape me because that's not God's plan right that's not what God would want Mm. Right, so she's she's fucking working it. It's brilliant. We get the library, mm-hmm. right? Just like you said. We also they go to like a market where they're stealing. They also fucking take her to like a house party. Yeah, where some where people are like, dude, this is fucked up. Yeah, like yeah. They they really want to help her again. That happens, and I just didn't say anything. I but love it. I love it. I that love absolutely it. happens, and somebody. Um, he confronts him and is like, "Yeah, what fucking religion is this? Because uh-huh. this ain't no religion I've ever seen before." But it is to be noted that this all was going down pretty like post nine eleven, like for sure. Oh, he rocked the religious thing, but be- also yeah, but. Yeah. Yes, but then it also calls attention to them because mm-hmm. everyone was so Islamophobic back then. For sure. Even though what he's doing is clearly not Islam. No. But everybody back then was so like weird about it. But yeah, that house party kind of blew up a little bit. Okay. So I guess they hop on the bus day 97 towards Los Angeles. And, and the more distance between her and her family, the more she feels like giving up. It's hard. For sure. Um, around Thanksgiving, she makes a list of the things that she's thankful for, and she knows that no one else is going to understand it. She's thankful for the tent that she's raped in daily because it's the only thing providing her shelter. She's thankful for the leftover food that people throw away because it's the only thing giving her means of nourishment. Like, that's fucking devastating. That's about as awful as it can get. They're in the mountains of San Diego when Brian abandons Elizabeth and Wanda with no food or water. 
Elizabeth is waiting to die, comforted by the memories of her family. And fortunately, that night, it finally rained. And that was her her sign. I wonder why Wanda wasn't taking her to go get something. I mean, they're not above. You're they, up, you're they stole everything they got. So mm-hmm. it's like, why? I wonder why no. she didn't go down and mm-hmm. steal something. So when Brian finally shows up a week later, the Lord called him to prison. <laughs> okay. Drunk again, Brian declares the Lord has told him it's time to move on from California towards the east. And Elizabeth is like, nope, we should go back to the grounds that we already are familiar with. I think God wants us to go back to Utah. Just there like, it is. Mm-hmm. You shed more light on it. Nowhere in the movie do we see that Emmanuel slash Brian is a suspect. Okay. Right? Because they wrapped it up pretty quickly towards the end. So they're in a market or whatever. And she's actually looking at a bulletin board of missing kids. And she's realizing her face isn't up there. That happened at the Walmart. And she's fucking bummed. That happened at the Walmart when she's I... She's forgotten. Yeah, when mm-hmm. the police, like, stopped them 30 miles outside of SLC, that's she sees that at the Walmart, and she's not up there. And she's um, like, well, fuck, I'm so close to my hometown. I'm not even on here. God damn it. This fucking lifetime. They get it. God. They get it every time. Okay, so it's when they leave this store that they're surrounded by police. And in the movie, I'm like, damn, like, where did they come from? Like, who learned Because you they- didn't know that there was, like, a nationwide... For real. And that his picture that was out there. That is one big chunk that they did. Maybe they did that on purpose because you wanted to feel like Elizabeth felt, right? Yeah. Where you're like, whoa, what's happening? Wow, look at you. Call me up, Hollywood. Fucking amazing. The writers are on strike. I'll be a scab. Right. Okay. So she's surrounded. She's terrified. They say her name. And that gives her the strength to reply. Yes, I am Elizabeth. Oh, she says it. Nice. Taken to the station. She's reunited with her dad while waiting to see a doctor. We see her mom who is instructed not to touch her, which boom, we are back to episode 72 when JC Lee I remember being so upset yeah. and you explaining to me it's going to fuck with the evidence. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it, does that make sense? Yeah. But I would be so mad. Yeah. Like, all you want to do is just hold your child. And in all fairness, too, you kind of have to, as a parent, as much as you want to do that, besides the rape kit and the evidence and stuff. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know mentally where they're at. No. You can't just, like, overwhelm them. You and can't again, rush them. This podcast, you, all of these things, I am aware of that now. Yeah. I would be so uninterested in any of that. I would just only care about me in that moment and just be like, I need this. And this is what I want. And this is what's best for me. Yeah, I know. But. (laughs) So. She arrives home to a media circus. And that is, again, just like JC Lee, right? They pull up to a fucking shit show. And she goes inside to sleep in the very same bed she was taken from. Crazy. And she tells her mom, like, reassuring her mom, like, don't worry. Like, I'm okay. 
and I'll still be here in the morning. Aww. Who the fuck are you to be so strong and so brave and to be and like I don't even know if she turned fifteen yet. Right, like reassuring 14, your fucking mom. Like your mom should be in that goddamn bed with you. Like who are you to be so incredible? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the man. movie ends with type. We read Brian is sentenced to two life sentences. Wanda, 15 years. Elizabeth, now married with two children of her own, works as an advocate and for the prevention of predatory crimes. She created the Elizabeth Smart Foundation. Love it. To bring hope and end the victimization and exploitation of sexual assault through the prevention, recovery, and advocacy. Okay, Elizabeth. Boom. Go, girl. So, as for my look of the week, I always make a strong stand to never dress as the victim. And Elizabeth, in my eyes, is not a victim. She's a fucking survivor. She's a fucking warrior. And also, to help all of our viewers out with my alien eye, I figure (laughs) (laughs) it was in my best interest to recreate the look where they um, had her when she was found because mm. they stopped doing the religion. Like, I also don't want to make fun of religion, so I'm not going to like do that. You know, right. I'm not going to do the face and the whatever. But when she was found, she was in like a funky wig. Yes. Like people that picked them up as hitchhikers were like, what's what's with the costume? Like, right. why is she dressed like that? She's dressed like a little old lady. Yeah. yeah. She's got this fucking weird wig with a bonnet and like glasses and like yeah. a little button up shirt. Yeah. So that's the look. But okay. I'm, yeah, because she is not a victim. She's a fucking warrior, and I'm so just amazed by everything she's been able to do. Yeah, she's she's getting out there. She's doing it. Yeah. I know. I saw a quote, and I don't know what it is, so I'm going to paraphrase. But it was basically saying that, basically, like, not to use the word victim, that. The only victims are people who die and everybody else is a survivor. And that's exactly how I'm looking at this. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone else is a survivor. Mm-hmm. So, hey, here's to Elizabeth. Yeah. Way to outsmart. Here's to Michelle and Amanda and all like Lacey and Colleen. All of them. There's so and there's so many that we're forgetting of because co- because there's we only don't so many keep we track can of cover. what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible. All right. Wow, what an episode. That was actually a pretty long one, but it's because we haven't seen each other in so long. Forever. We haven't even talked to each other. Nope. We so, saved it for you guys. You know, you guys skip the first half hour and you'll be. You'll straight, get to okay. the case. You'll get to the case. You missed us. You know you want to listen. To see pictures of this week's case, go to Instagram, THC Podcast on Instagram. Feel free to slide into my DMs, leave me a comment, like, rate, subscribe, whatever you want to do. Um, other than that, as always, we're so grateful that anyone's even listening. We're honing in. We'll be at 100 at the end of the summer, so we'll start thinking of 100 and the 100th episode. Um, other than that, stay safe. I hope you're having a great summer, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.